Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Some of what you're about to hear may be deemed offensive to some people. Please do not be offended. We're just trying to entertain. Some of the content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. very welcome to um, a lock-in a very special edition lock-in it's been so long we've the last time we were here we had no war we had no pandemic and um, did we lose the keys uh, i don't know there's been a lot of building work gone gone on since then really when you see what's been out here anyway if you're just joining us we're at the the ga headquarters here in scarif and uh we have a very special show for you tonight because we're talking football, all football. And no, nothing to do with the GA. Nothing, no, but we're here and we're happy to be here. And uh, yeah, we've got two very special guests. Um, they're still with us, thankfully, after COVID and everything, uh, Brian Quigley and Jim Madden. And I think we have an awful lot to talk about, both locally, nationally and internationally. And of course, this is International Soccer Week with the Nations League, and it hasn't been too good so far. So there's an awful lot of juicy stuff to get through. Yeah, there's a bit political stuff as well. That, yes, you know, yeah. We, we'll talk about Okay, are we going to get Jim on the phone? Absolutely. Let's do that. Now, Tom, if we're going to get Jim, we might as well have Brian on the phone together and introduce them all. So by the powers of technology, I'm going to press a button and, hey, presto, the two of them are on the line. Excellent, excellent. Well, I, I'd like to welcome uh, Jim Madden and Brian Quigley uh, to the show. And again, we've never had you both on together, guys. So it's it's a privilege. And as I said, we, we reckon we'd, we'd make a big splash tonight or this weekend because it's all about football. And we're going to start this evening with local issues. And I suppose something that uh, I've been involved in from a Mount Shannon Celtic perspective is um, the element of from the last few years of Newmarket Celtic and Avenue kind of dominating the headlines in Clare football, but also their B teams. And I'm just after seeing the first division table and the last, I'd say, four, five, six seasons, it's either been one or the other finishing at the top of the table and then not being able to get promoted because their senior teams, their A teams, are in the Premier League. And lo and behold, Cool FC 
have won the first division and Tully United Tom, have been runners up Tom you're, speel, you're stealing my thunder I'm I, sorry I'm I, sorry I'm sorry I, I, I want to talk to Jim <laughs> and, I, and I want to start at the third division and work our way All up right, well, okay? I, I know I, yeah. just had to, I just had to get to the underwear I, I know I know, I know. Yeah. so that's a sneak preview of what we'll be talking about in a few minutes Jim uh, good day to you good afternoon good evening Luke yeah. the, the Brownies Barbershop third division <laughs> was won by Bunratty Cratlow FC champions with Enniston uh, promoted as well tell us all about uh, it yes there were the two best teams in that division now we all know that leagues are hard to win uh, Bonratti would have probably been a little bit better than uh, the Ennistons Bonratti very very strong a lot of players that would have been in the Premier League and First Division with teams in Ennis or in Shannon um, and it simply shows a little bit of lack of ambition by certain players oh we don't want to train twice a week and all of that uh, but Bonratti looked quite good in the third division. They're well managed. Um, so it will be very interesting to see how they do in the second division, which is a step up, but will also probably be a bit more competitive. Ennis a very tidy town outfit from Ennis, uh, play a nice brand of football, knock the ball around, and I think that they will probably, they might do a little bit better in the second division than Bonratti, but time will tell on that. Okay. Um, so the, the the year will tell. So I suppose we're yeah. talking we're talking about the second division, and uh, I see there there was a, a little bit of an issue near the top of the table, which we'll talk about at the minute. But basically, Manus Celtic and Clock Lee have been relegated into the third, right. and Bunratty and uh, Ennis Dons are promoted. Now at the top of the table, uh, Connolly Celtic on thirty six points, and Ryan Rovers on thirty eight. But there was a little bit of drama near uh, on the last day of the season. Jim, where the tables got turned. There, there was. Uh, what happened was that Manor Celtic um, didn't play, didn't travel to play Kildaisert. It was their second walkover of the season, and the rules in Clare are that once you give two walkovers, you're out. Now, as it happened, they one of the very few teams that Manus had beaten was actually Ryan Rovers from Quinn. So, as a result, Ryan got three points. Uh, that's <laughs> from that. However, Connolly had beaten Manus twice in the league, so they didn't benefit in any way. <clears throat> and on that Sunday, uh, Man- uh, Ryan were playing their last game against Kilkishan. If they won it, they would have won the league anyway. But as it happened, um, they drew with uh, uh, Kilkishan, and Connolly Celtic were away to Corathin, and they drew that as well. So, as a result, even with one game to play, which Connolly had, they couldn't catch Ryan Rovers. Now, okay. the problem is, or the, well, the communication problem that broke down was, that Connolly claimed that nobody informed them of the particular situation, and that Ryan knew the situation for their game, and Connolly didn't know. Now, um, I didn't know until late in the day either that what had happened... And I was asked, would I go and present the cup to Ryan in Kikishan, which I did on the basis that if they won, they had the league won. And if both of them drew, uh, they would still have won the league. And that's what actually happened there. There was a little bit of angst in Connolly, uh, probably justified that they should have been told. But uh, unfortunately, these things happened. It was a communications problem, not any other 
uh, reason. Okay, but I, I suppose the good thing for both of them is that we'll say Ryan are promoted as champions, but Connolly have been promoted as well. Have uh, been promoted as, as, as well. second player. Now Connolly are still a bit sore over the whole thing, and I'd imagine it will come up at the AGM in the, the 17th of July. But um, anyway, that's the story there. Okay. And then uh, I think that the, the two of them, uh, Connolly would always be quite strong, but the problem for Connolly always is that they usually have a lot of hurlers that play hurling with Kilmealy. And if Kilmealy, and remember, this, now the way the GA is, that the club yeah. season uh, can nearly go the whole year round, I think Connolly will need to uh, be a little bit cuter with their signings. Okay, all right. So, uh, well, sure, look, lots to look forward to. And we'll say then we'll go to the first division and Turnpike uh, and Avenue B are at the bottom of the pile there. And as Tom was alluding to earlier, uh, Cool FC uh, are champions and Tulla United, uh, the, the neighbours here in East Clare, are go- heading back for the Premiership. Uh, they are indeed. Now, I was very uh, delighted to see that because Cool and Tulla have put a lot of work into their football over the last number of years. Both of them have fairly strong underage setups as well. And, of course, Tulla have an absolutely the best facilities in Clare by a long shot. Uh, the committee there deserve all the credit in the world for the kind of facilities they have put there at the crag. I don't know if Brian is familiar with Tulla, but, by God, they have the, the best uh, facilities. Two very, very good pitches. An absolutely superb clubhouse with four dressing rooms. They also have a first floor where there's a balcony so you can watch a game in comfort. And they have a nice hospitality area as well for a cup of tea and that kind of thing. Yeah, they do. And I'll tell you one thing, Jim, the, the mobile phone coverage is still crap over there. We, we, did, we, did, we, we were trying to do a chronicle over there about six months ago live and we had to do it down the, down the phone line. <laughs> no problem. Would, would I be right in saying that um, Tully United is probably the only venue where an international match has happened in Clare? Uh, you're you're right there. There was an underage uh, international there, and uh, back in the day of the previous administration in the FAI, who was very fond of Tulla, um, they probably would have had more games than they got. And they, I think they now, had a ladies. I think they, they had really ladies have put in tremendous work. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's, a, it's a fabulous facility, and they, they recently celebrated fifty years and uh, brought out a lovely book in relation to it as well. But listen, we, we we want to get Brian in because we've a lot to talk about now. We'll say in the League of Ireland as well. But we're we're going to go up to the Premiership now, Jim. And sa- sa- sadly, um, two two Shannon teams uh, making the drop: uh, your beloved Olympic and Shannon Hibbs. Uh, you you alluded there with regards to Bunratty Cratlow, some lads th- there that might have you know what want didn't want to be doing too much training. Uh, a bit disappointed. Are are there too many teams in Shannon? There, there are. There isn't enough players, enough and players. the population isn't big enough to sustain seven junior teams. Uh, Shannon Town got away with having three, which I was very much opposed to, but they had the votes in the league. That meant that they have signed uh, the upwards of 60, more than 60, something in the region of 70, 75 adult players. Uh, they also have a youth team. They have another 19. Uh, they really are dominant in Shannon. Shannon Hibsden, who were relegated and their B team, had a very poor season as well. They had two teams. Olympic had only one. And then you have Bunratty a mile and a half down the road with a team as well. So... Um, 
that was a big demand and as a result uh, Higgs and Olympic got squares in the middle Higgs team wouldn't be much better than Olympics there's nothing in it but the problem for Olympic is that the team is old the bulk of the players there won't see 35 again and I'd say quite a few of them won't see 40 Tony Hanrahan the chairman of the club and myself had a brief chat the other day to see what we might do we may have to start the, the club again in the sense of uh, maybe going and starting an underage team and forget about the adults. Yeah, that's that's it's 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 very challenging, uh, Jim. And the one aspect, and it leads into something else that I want to speak about, and that is um, the new Ukrainian population in Shannon. There's quite a few Ukrainians now from a point of view of the refugee crisis over in their own country. So you could possibly see quite um, an array of new players coming into the league for season 2022-23, right across the board in Clare. Um, no, I'm not so sure. Um, in Shannon, definitely the, the bulk of the Ukrainians that are here are women and children. There's okay. a couple of elderly men, all right, by the look of it. Whereas it does appear in other parts of Clare, there are more adult males. Now, I thought that an adult male over 18 and under 60 wasn't allowed to leave the Ukraine if they were Ukraine nationals. Well, I, I, as I said, I, I think there's, there is a, a rule that I think youths coming from Ukraine can yeah. assimilate yeah, into the... the under-18s were considered minors, and there is a lot of minor people in Clare and in Ireland generally, and there's quite a number of actually on... on, a, on a, what's the word I'm looking for? Where at, uh, minors have actually been on their own coming into Ireland. Okay, right. I didn't... I, I didn't. have a, mem- a member of my family is in the social... What S- would you services. call it? Social, well, I call it work welfare. Child protection and um, with uh, Tusla. And uh, they have a serious problem of trying to get foster homes for some of these uh, minors that are coming in on their own. Uh, before we move over to, to, to Brian uh, to, to bring him in in the conversation... Um, how do you say the, the one of the uh, officials from the Clare League was on? Um, I believe the Six One News tonight. Eddie Crow, I believe, in relation to yeah, one of was, his yeah. players that uh, happened to come through the Ukraine. I, I think he's he's not a Ukraine national, but there was a bit of controversy this season in relation to a couple of clubs in the Clare Premier League. Um, we had Sporting and Diamond. Uh, we had Mount Shannon Celtic. We had Avenue, and uh, it all kind of came to a fore there in the in the last few weeks. And um, from a PRO point of view with the Clare League, um, have you any news in relation to, to what went on in the last maybe week to ten days in relation to well, to to this? Well, there was there was two official uh, objections to Sporting and Steinman about um, irregularities with regard to the signing of a player. <coughs> Both of those. Uh, objections went one went to Munster and one went to the FAI uh, because I think the FAI or Munster didn't want to deal with one of them uh, and in both cases Munster upheld the original objection and that's the points and the game was awarded to Mount Shannon and then in the other one where Avenue had objected on the basis that the player didn't have international claims um, that was upheld by the FAI as well on the basis that the clearance for without international clearance 
was for minor players only, or minors, uh, which would be people under 18. And I, I did was over 18. I didn't see the 6-1 news tonight, but what exactly was, was well, Eddie Crowe's case? that the FAI don't have transparency in their rules with regard to ITC and that uh, other countries have different um, methods of dealing with it, that the FAI are a bit long-winded and all of that. And so what's new in getting anything done in this country, really? But I think his criticism of the FAI, to my way of thinking, are a bit unfound because I think the FAI did the best they could and I think because there was a bit of fudging by um, sporting, I think anyway, about the whole area of the players' nationality and all of that stuff that the FAI, when they got to the ground there, the, the, the nuts and bolts of it, did realise that this player, while he came from the Ukraine, isn't an actual Ukraine national. Okay, so there's there's plenty of issues still to be resolved in relation to that, I suppose. Well, it's, it's, as far as we are concerned, it's yeah. clear it's resolved. Yeah. Uh, All right, okay. They, 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 they didn't turn up for their playoff game against Kilrush. That, after that, a meeting the other night, was clear cut as far as the league were concerned, and as far as I'd be concerned. They didn't turn up. They notified the league after midnight. I saw the email that was sent to the fixture secretary, it was around midnight. That's far too late. That shows a terrible lack of respect to both the league and to the other team involved. And uh, the league decided that they would award the game to Kilrush by three goals to nil. As a result, Kilrush Rangers are now promoted to the Premier and uh, because uh, Sporting were third from the bottom of the Premier, they are now relegated to the First Division. They will more than likely appeal it to Munster, but I think, and the basis they're appealing it to Munster is that they were told that the match wasn't fixed or was fixed for the 12th, but there is no record in the Clare League, and it was up on the website, and I are on, on the website, yes, uh, and it was published in the papers that the game was down for Sunday, the 5th of June. And I, I, I mean, the thing is, the fact that you play a whole season and it comes down to one game, how does your club just not show for a game. It just seems bizarre, regardless of the actual dates and that they um, didn't inform the league. I mean, does does uh, Mr. Crow have... I mean, uh, it just seems a well, bizarre situation. was that, that um, they couldn't feed the team, that there was a lot of them travelling to Turles, uh for the Munster final. Now, my attitude would be to that. Turles isn't that far from uh, Ennis. It's about an hour and a half. And the game was scheduled for 11. If they wanted to bring it forward, nobody would have objected to a 10.30 kick-off and they would have had plenty of time to motor down the road to Tullus. And, and But the thing is, it's the same for both teams. It's, the sa- it's, it's exactly the, the same. same. You're not playing teams. it. You're not playing the chances it. are that a team out of North Clare and a team out of West Clare, they'd be a hell of a lot more interested in football than Holland. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I'm sure. I suppose we'd say that there was a bit of small ball up there as well. Listen, Jim. Oh, well, there would be. Yeah, and there's <laughs> yeah. no problem with that. They, yeah. they, but I mean, that that was never raised. The issue of yeah. looking for a game to be postponed. That, uh, excuse me. On that basis, wasn't really requested. And uh, the fixture secretary was quite clear that he had made the fixture and he gave the date in May. I think it was the twenty-something in May. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, listen. Two weeks before the fifth of June. Ah, yeah. Well, that 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 that's fair. And enough. that was able to be shown to Sporting in Diamond on the the Tuesday night's meeting, and they would have had that because every one of us gets the fixtures 
and we supplied them to the papers as well. And they were quite happy to say, sure, we had that fixture for that week. Uh, brilliant, Jim. That's that's super. Listen, thanks a million for that insight, Brian. We're gonna we're gonna. Uh, I, oh, sorry. Sorry, 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 Tom. Sorry, Jim. I, 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 before we get we're Brian rusty, in, but, but we're no, rusty. We, we, uh, Brian will start. We, we'll say we might have been doing a deep dive now into uh, the Claire, Claire League here, but he, he should be able to recognise the last two teams we're going to talk about because Jim, I, 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 I won't say which would be the equivalent of Celtic and which would be the equivalent of Rangers, but the two top teams in Clare for you know an awful long time Avenue and Newmarket Newmarket were going for a 10 in a row and it didn't work out and uh, Avenue won the league as well just give us your, your, a brief few words and your description your well, thoughts on what what turned out well there's no doubt that in my book Avenue this season have had the edge over Newmarket um, David Russell is the manager of um, Avenue he's a former player former centre half played everything in Clare um, he has put together a very strong side. Now, he has a very good team, basically a very good goalkeeper. Um, uh, James Tierney, who played a little bit of League of Ireland with Galway, I think he was in Limerick as well. Fine keeper, very strong, good movement around the area and very good hands. Then in front of him, they have a very good centre-back, uh, Dylan Casey, who was at Leicester as a youngster, and I think may have been out on loan. He's back in Clare about three, three, three years now. Didn't really make much of an effort for the first couple, but this year he looks a lot fitter and, uh, than he was, and he's playing very well. And beside him, then, at centre-back, there's a guy called Conor Mullen, who is a very, very good centre-back as well. Now, when you have a defence like that, it makes you very hard to beat. And then they have a couple of very good young players, including a young fella called Roach, who plays wide on the left. And actually, in the two games or the three games against Newmarket, he took the avenue, which surprised me that Newmarket never changed the fullback on the right because Roach was running rings around him in the three games that I saw this year. Okay. I, and you, uh, he's you a very say, good uh, natural left footed player, gets in crosses, and. Um, he has pace as well, and unfortunately, uh, the, the, um, the right back at Newmarket, David O'Grady, has been around for a long time, and we all know the first thing that goes in a full-back once he ages a bit, or a centre-back either, is pace. And tell me, Jim, who was, your, who was the top striker in the league this year? Um, now, uh, very hard to know. There is a very good young fella at... Um, Avenue outside of Roach, but his name just won't come into my head just at the minute. Um, and he is a very, he's young. They got him from Ennis Town, and he really does uh, hold up the ball well. He, he plays at the centre forward position very well. He's strong physically, and he does get goals. Now, Newmarket probably are better going forward uh, because their defence that has aged more than anything else. But Avenue look a very good side. Now, there is a lot of talk, for want of a better word, that um, Avenue are chasing the signing of Stephen McGann. Now, Stephen is a midfield player that's at Pike Rovers. He's the captain of Pike. Has been there for quite a number of seasons. Is probably the one really class player in Limerick Junior Soccer. He has a beautiful touch, very good on the ball. He's physically tall and strong. Uh, scores good goals with both his head and his feet. He plays in midfield, and um, 
a serious player. Now, Pike won the Limerick League this year in the playoff with Fairview, um, and then they were beaten in the FAI Junior Cup by Villa from Cork, uh, a 1-0, whereas Fairview uh, beat St. Michael's to win the Munster Junior by three goals to nil a couple of weeks ago as well. So the trophies are spread around Limerick very well. Nice one, Jim. Well, we're talking about Limerick and we're talking about, um, I suppose, our next topic is League of Ireland. Uh, Brian, are you still with us there? Are you intrigued with our, he's like our, uh, what's called call it, our Jimmy McGee. He's our very own Jimmy McGee. Uh, that's Jim Madden. And uh, as I said, we're, we're lucky to have him with us. Brian, how are you doing this weather and uh, how's the League of Ireland treating you? Well, first of all, just to... Um just a comment on the, the Ennis Diamond situation and yes. the news this evening. I, I think very much it's a case that the, the FAI need to get their house in order before they, you know, come down uh, on clubs in, in, in the regions. And, and uh, Mr. Crow said that this evening, that it's very um, punitive for, for a small club in a, in a county league to have to suffer a penalty when they're trying to do the right thing by refugees um, there were three and a half thousand Ukrainian refugees in the Aviva Stadium last night for the Ukraine versus Republic of Ireland game there's you know many more dispersed around the country and a lot of them are uh, interested in soccer uh, a lot of them are soccer players they're going to be here for uh, a considerable amount of time so they should be allowed to play soccer and the FAI should be doing what other national associations are doing and making it easy for clubs to assimilate uh, refugee players and get them playing um, as, as a way of normalising them. What, what, you ha- what, what has happened now with Ennis Diamond is that that Ukrainian player feels that he has cost the team the points deduction, which is the complete opposite of how we should be making uh, refugees feel. Okay, I, I suppose I, I can't really comment too much on this. I, I was actually involved in, in one of the appeals to Munster, Brian, uh, from, from my own club. And um, hand on heart, there was an awful lot more that went on uh, on the particular day that we played Sporting in a Diamond. And it's all been very much documented. Um, the, the gentleman in question what, isn't a, a Ukraine national. He's actually from, uh, where is he from, Luke? Uh, the African He's person. Nigerian. He's Nigerian. And he, and he was put down on the day of the game, on the match card, he was put down as Darren McNamara. He wasn't even put down okay. in his in his own. Yeah, so there's an awful lot more uh, that meets the eye in this. And Mr. Crow uh, has has is 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 I have to say is is using the Ukraine refugee card from a sympathy point of view to his benefit as opposed to actually uh, coming out with the actual facts because. I had a hearing uh, along with a couple of more of the representatives from Mount Shannon Celtic with the Munster FA. We put our case to them, and on on so many different levels, w- what happened on the day of the of this particular game um, was just the tip of the iceberg. But I do agree with you completely in relation to assimilating Ukrainian players into the league and making it easy for them. Absolutely, I have no problem with that. But this particular chap wasn't actually a Ukraine international or it wasn't a, a Ukraine, um, how do you say, citizen as such, you know. So the thing is, Mr. Crow has has um, 
I don't know, accidentally or deliberately kind of misled um, the kind of the media in that respect. I, I suppose okay, while, yeah. while it's still ongoing, we, we might just sort of park yeah. it up. And because Brian, I, 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 we'll talk about the League of Ireland in a second. But um, the two of you, Jim as well, and you sort of feel free to sort of comment. Uh, the FAI in general, um, we'll say since we've last spoken, it has lost its uh, past leader. And the, is there the, the new regime? What are your thoughts in relation to it? We say, Brian, maybe see what you think. Um, I suppose the most the most um, public manifestation of what we, we see from the FAI is the national team and the national team manager. Um, and if, if that's, a, I suppose, a, a signal of what's going on behind the scenes, then it's it's not really working as desired. Like I think we all would have liked to to see the the Steve and Kenny era work, but it paid, it's patently obvious that it's not working. And um, he, he doesn't have um, he's naive to be trying to be playing a brand of football, and um, when he doesn't have players that can deliver that and to persist with that now for 24 games is in the job. This is. Effectively, we're out of this Nations League promotion hunt. This is this will be the fourth tournament he's taken us out of. Um, you know, it's not um, it's it, it's no it's not doing anyone any favors to be um, trying to be something we're not. We we should be playing the type of football that um, we can get the most out of the t- the players we have. And I don't agree with what's been said that we don't have the players at the moment. We we have a group of players who are playing in Premier or Championship clubs in England, and I think the right manager with the right approach to tactics would would get a lot more out of them, and we would be more competitive and getting more results and probably challenging for qualification for tournaments, whereas we're, we've slipped a long way from that. And I think appointing Stephen was a mistake. I think he should have been left with the under-21s. I think the FAI, it suited them to have Stephen Kenny in the national team job because Stephen's background in the League of Ireland meant that he was not going to be criticised by the bulk of the fans. And given a, a relatively easy ride by the press. And then that meant that the FAI themselves were going to be not criticised and given an easy ride. And I think that's... They were, they're probably a bit Machiavellian in the way they did that, but um, a lot of people are starting to break ranks now, people who were previously you know, not, not open to, to criticising Stephen Kenny and the national team and that what's happening, but people are... A lot more people this week are starting to say, look, this isn't working. We need to think about an alternative. Jim, have you, have you, have you, uh, how would you say? A contribution. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I couldn't hear Brian there, but basically my problem with the FAI, whether well, there's a number of problems, I suppose. First of all, the fact that the FAI have really no money. And without money, they have a problem. They have no major sponsor other than for the girls. They have Sky Television. Um, and the cost of running both the international team and the other representative teams must be a big drain on them, seeing as they've only now got back to having a full house at the Aviva. 
So that's a problem. But the other problem that I have with the FAI is that they don't appear to have any interest in the amateur game. That's the junior game that we are involved in. They have no interest in having the... Well, they, okay, they played the FAI Junior Cup. That's because they have... Uh, there's a committee there of about 10 or 12. Uh, Clare don't have a rep on it. Um, that probably insisted that the FAI Junior Cup... They have no interest in the Oscar Trainer, which Clare would always have been very big supporters of, which is the interleague or inter-county thing, which Brian might be familiar with. Uh, Clare won it a few times. Uh, we won it twice in succession. Um, that is really my where I would feel that there is a problem. Now, I think that's... I don't know whether Brian would be in favour of it, but I feel as well that junior teams like, like say, here in Shannon, they would or they need the League of Ireland clubs to maybe have a relationship, for want of a better word, with the, the junior leagues. I think that is one way of developing more and more young players. Is it is it like a, a feeder, a, a kind of a feeder club, Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, for instance, that, that, that League of Ireland level, we have an under-15, under-17, and under-19 league, if I remember right here. I think they go down to under-13 now. Then you have Kerry at the moment are the only league that appear to be able to have representative teams at under 13 and are at under at those age brackets, I should say. And now, of course, Kerry have decided to apply for a license to play in the first division. I think they have been granted that. Now, Kerry have always seemed to me to have a little bit bigger influence in the in the FAI than other leagues, and I often put that down to John O'Regan. Uh, and John was very close to our previous CEO, as we all know. And of course, he got a lot of money towards developing Mount Hawk Park, which is a fabulous facility down there. Um, I would have thought that it would have benefited soccer in Ireland a lot more if the leagues were incentivized to have maybe an under-17 interleague competition and broaden it out. The youths, interleague youths, which Clare have always played in, which would be the under-18 level, last year in our group, there was only three teams, which meant our players got two matches. And we went to Cork to play them in the first game, and we were completely steamrolled because the Cork young fellas, they have a separate youth league down there. The players were absolutely way stronger, bigger, and tougher than our guys. And that was demonstrated recently in the under-19 Munster final, uh, under-19 Cup final, when uh, Ennis Town, who were a decent enough side, were beaten by, by Middleton. And Middleton had a player sent off very early to have 10, and yet they strolled through uh, Ennis Town by three goals to nil, if I remember rightly. So basically the grassroots game is struggling big time. It, it, it is. And remember, the League of Ireland clubs are struggling to afford to run these under-17 and under-19 and under-15 teams. Because you can imagine the travelling that's involved. Now, I have had a little bit of talk recently about it, and I have been trying to talk to Treaty Celtic or Treaty United, Treaty United, sorry, they're called, in Limerick, um, to see if they'd like to base an under-19 or an under-17 team in Shannon 
where I could make a pitch available to them because Treaty United have no pitch of their own. Oh, I didn't know that. Brian, how are you? And in the first part of the league this year, at the first division, and uh, I would imagine Bray Wanderers people are well aware of it, the two first games had to be postponed because there was holes in the pitch at the market field, which they're renting from the J.P. McManus Trust. And I, I, I thought the, the market's field was a superb surface from when, when it was reopened again. Well, for some reason, and I know the family of the captain of Treaty, Jack Lynch, his, his father is Tommy, who played professional football at Sunderland and at Shrewsbury Town, and whose mother worked with us in our printed business for a number of years before on, she got married. Come on, Jim. Uh, Jack is the captain, and they go to every match, which I don't do. And uh, the, the first game was postponed because they wanted to know if the team had late notice the opposition, I can't remember who they were, would travel, would move across the city to play at UL. The team uh, refused, and the game had to be refixed. Brian, come and in there. Br- Brian, come in there now with your, with your League of Ireland influence. Uh, sorry, I can't Tom, I hear Jim's last point there. Yeah, it's 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 basically the first. Uh, Jim was saying that that um, the first couple of games that Limerick played this season or uh, Treaty played this season had to be postponed because their pitch was in such bad condition. Yeah, well, I, I've seen three or four games live from the market field um, on the streaming service, um, and the pitch looked fine. Um, but that, that that would have been closer to the mid-season break and um, kind of April May. All right, okay. Uh, so you know, from 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 this side of the country, looking looking at Treaty, it looks like they're doing well. It looks like um, they're a well-organized team, and that's kind of problems of of, of previous Limerick teams or, or the most recent Limerick team that's that's resolved or, or behind them now. You can't help but notice the the empty stands, um, and you do wonder as as what kind of support they're getting. It doesn't look like they're getting great support. But in general, the gates in the League of Ireland are up this year, and um, post COVID, uh, fans have, have have come back, and uh, and our the, the gates are actually increased, and. It's it's been a successful season so far. Um, both leagues are very competitive. Um, Treaty are, are in with a, a chance of um, definitely a, a playoff spot, if not a run towards automatic promotion. So uh, if that did happen, it would be great to see a Limerick team back in the Premier Division. If, if it doesn't happen, I think the First Division this year has proved to be a very competitive division. You've got the likes of Waterford, Cork City, uh, Galway there, um, Longford, uh, Bray. So, you know, there's a good, a very good standard of football. Um, the fans are coming out in numbers to watch us. The, the streaming service, uh, which was introduced during COVID, has been a, a fast, fantastic uh, tool. It, it really is um, amazing. Like, you, you can... You can watch games now as a neutral that, um, you know, for, for a very small amount of money. Um, so I think uh, the league is, is on the up now. Perhaps below the League of Ireland, the grassroots level is, is suffering. 
Um, and I thought the League of Ireland, the, the national team, uh, aren't doing great and there's problems there. But I think the league itself is is it's going in the right direction and there's a lot of players that have returned from England or are not gone to England and are staying in a League of Ireland type setup um, because the chances of making it in England are, are less and less each year as, as you know, uh, the same for English players in England and less and less of them make up the squads of the bigger teams or even the teams lower down the divisions. Um, so it makes sense for players to, to stay here. Um, the likes of, in the first division, the likes of Cork, Galway, Waterford are, are almost full-time squads. Um, in, in the Premier Division, you have a good few full-time squads. So players can earn a wage that is not quite what they'd get in a, in a League 1 or League 2 side in England, but it's still a, a living wage and... You know, I think I think the League of Ireland is going in the right direction, but I, I do take the point that the grassroots below it are are, are suffering, and um, it, it's kind of it, it's hard to envisage how you could have everything going in the right direction. But and um, speaking as someone who's watched League of Ireland for a long time and seen us kind of decaying and going in the wrong direction. It does seem very buoyant and right at the moment, uh, having come out of COVID, it does seem like it's um, definitely going in the right direction. Um, well, I, I'm going to put this question to both of you then. Um, from a point of view of, of uh, Stephen Kenny and the future and, and League of Ireland players, is there any up-and-coming League of Ireland players that you have noticed? I, I, I mean, one thing that's that's that I've kept kind of somewhat a handle on is uh, Shelburne with regards to Damien Duff. He seemed to start off very, very slow, have a bit of a wobble, and then he they won four games in a row, and he was he was I sent to the sent to the stands I believe for those four matches. But they seem to have kind of come back very very strong, and and he's he's uh, he's doing okay. Damien Duff is doing fantastic, and um, there's, there's other young managers there that are doing really well. And um, Tim Clancy, who was with uh, Drogheda and is now with St Patrick's Athletic, uh, another very good young manager. Uh, Stephen Bradley, of course, uh, at Shamrock Rovers. Uh, I think Stephen Kenny, as as Republic Ireland manager, might have worked as a project if he'd been given the brief to really try and pick as many League of Ireland players as uh, 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 as much as possible and focus on bringing the League of Ireland players into the national team. And you could have re- excused them writing off a number of tournaments while they tried to develop something like that. And I think something like that is what was tried in, in, in Northern Ireland football. But instead, um, it's just the, the odd token League of Ireland player gets the train with the squad or gets included in the in the the panel, um, and it 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 it's then the same players from the English clubs getting um, to, to play in the matches. So, uh, you know, that's for me. Stephen Kenny should have been about um, trying to bring on League of Ireland players into a national uh, setup, um, and I think, you know people would have had a lot more patience with it or the patience wouldn't be starting to wear now even if results weren't coming because um, we'd be basically trying to 
improve the standard of our league or improve the profile of our league by putting the best players we have in the League of Ireland into the national team. Um, so, sorry, but, Brian, could I, could, uh, I, could I just um, cut, cut across there for a second? Uh, is it your opinion that we'll say the best players in the League of Ireland are pretty much comparable to the players, we'll say, that, that he's picking from at the minute? I think so, and and watching games in the League of Ireland, um, and and again the streaming services has allowed uh, me and anyone else to watch um, multiple games that you wouldn't have seen before. The standard in the Premier Division is is very high. Um, there's players there who would previously have maybe gone to England and and, and made it. Um, they don't have to do that anymore if they're getting um, if they're able to you know, be full-time in, in a League of Ireland setup, And there's some very good young managers there. We've, we've spoken about Damien Duff, um, mentioned Tim Clancy, Stephen Bradley. Stephen Bradley recently turned down the chance to move to Lincoln City in League One in England and because he reckoned um, Shamrock Rovers are better. He reckoned he can do more with Shamrock Rovers. He's better players there. Um I, I, I don't see how I, I wouldn't see anything wrong with making up a a national team that has more League of Ireland players in it and given given that a chance. And I think if if if, if Stephen Kennedy had been given that brief or if he'd insisted on that himself, um, it might have um, meant that there was more patience with 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 his tenure as as a project to do something like that, something different, instead of just the, the same old um, bring the players over from England, even if they're not playing with their club, and then they're they're not really at the races in the match. Like, you look at last night, you know, those uh, passes that were given away cheaply. Um, you know, it, it just wasn't good to watch, whereas if you watch League of Ireland games now, they're exciting and they're skillful. Um, there's good coaches, there's improving facilities, um, and there's a better um, there's a better standard of player than, than than previously, and it's it's definitely improving all the time and going in the right direction. Um, so I think there's there's food for thought there. Jim, um, did you hear that from from Brian? No, I can't hear Brian. I can just hear the sound, but I can't hear what he's saying. All right. Okay. Well, listen. We're just we're just talking about the League of Ireland and Stephen Kenny and where Stephen Kenny is at at the moment and the quality of player that's in the League of Ireland. Uh, did you watch the game last night against Ukraine? And what are your thoughts I, on Stephen? I I did. I just thought that, um, and the same about the previous game on the Saturday night. Uh, we are moving the ball far too slow uh, for the at this at this level and the way the game is now being played. Um, I, I just feel as we're, we're just not well. I suppose we don't have a centre forward really that is a, a, a threat to anybody really. Um, and I do feel that we move the ball a bit too slow and are backwards and forwards across the pitch, um, which is something that I feel that we should be trying to get the ball into the into the area. Because I think that if we did that more often and quicker, we do have a little bit of pace around the pitch with that of Benny and uh, your man Robinson. 
Uh, but we're not giving them the kind of chance that they need. And the only way you can do that is by getting them the ball quickly and giving it to them in the proper position that they can do something. Now, I think that that young fella, Hamilton, that came on last night as well, he could pose a threat. But again, they, they need to be getting the ball with a bit of pace. Now, the player that I would bring in very quickly, and I'll bring him in for the Scotland game, because the guy is red hot at the moment, is that lad from Southampton, Smallbone. That's, that's funny. I, I heard him for the very first time tonight and, and off the ball. I've, I've, I didn't hear of him before. Smallbone, is he a midfielder? He's a, he's a 10 yeah. or something. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a fellow that missed out a good bit of, uh, of a, uh, the early part of his career due to illness and injury. But he, uh, he is highly regarded at Southampton. And uh, it appears that, uh, well, at the under-23s, he scored goals quite right, well. And I've met of the impression that uh, if, they're old, if they're good enough, they're, they're old enough, you know. Uh, now, remember, by not playing some of our younger players, who are one or two younger guys, we lost out, in my opinion, on uh, Rice and Grealish, because Martin O'Neill was too thick to bring them on. Very good point. Yeah. earlier, and I think both of them would have played for Ireland. Can you imagine the difference Rice and Grealish would have made to that Irish team? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I blame Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane, and I think Rice uh, uh, witnessed a real set two in the Irish dressing room between um, the big centre forward that we had, he was at Ipswich and fell out with Roy. Uh, uh, what was his name? I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, and I think that Rice witnessed that it was a right spat I'm told. And I think Rice's attitude was, fuck, I don't need this. Yeah, I, I suppose it, it, it's interesting that, that they might both win um, uh, as few sponsorship gigs with head and shoulders, I suppose. It would be one thing that the two boys would have going for them as well. Jim, you, you mightn't have been able to hear, but Brian alluded to the fact in relation to, we'll say he's talking about his disappointment with how, um, we'll say, the, the current management setup has gone. And he would have been in favour of playing uh, more League of Ireland players on the national team. Would you have any thoughts in relation to that? Well, he thinks there is good no enough. doubt that the League of Ireland has improved dramatically over the last couple of years. And there's no doubt that Shamrock Rovers have set a serious standard. Um, and there is a number of players at Shamrock Rovers, including uh, Borden, that came back. Now, I think he, could he be injured at the moment? Uh, there's Danny Mandrew as well, that a lot of people rate very highly. And then there's that guy, Burke, um, uh, now, I'm not sure was he out of the game for a bit with injury as well. Now, they're guys that are very fit, very strong, and they're playing regularly at a, a decent level. Now, um, there's one or two others around the league that, that names that just won't come to mind at the minute. Um, a few of the players are probably maybe over the, that came back from England and didn't really set the world on fire, like Doyle that's at St. Pat's, a very good player at the second and third division, but he definitely wouldn't cut the mustard in my book at the international level. A player as well that I felt we, well, Sligo like go to Celtic, uh, young Kenny. Now, I don't, I don't know what age he is. I think he's about 18, but he was an looked an incredible prospect. Now, Packy Bonner, there's name dropping for you. I was speaking to Packy recently about an issue, a charity thing we were trying to organise in West Clare for a young fella that picked up some virus after getting an injury. 
uh, young Roach. His father is a musician, Patrick. And uh, Packy said he's surprised that young Kenny didn't come back after being sold to Celtic. He said, surely Celtic should have loaned him back or Sligo should have looked to have him on loan back rather than have him playing in some obscure team in the Highland League. Now, he was only 18 last year, did his leave himself, but he was scored, I think he scored seven or eight, maybe ten goals in the League of Ireland for Sligo. He was part, very much influential on getting them to finish in the top three, and uh, that's the kind of player we need to be working on. Brian, did you, did you hear that from Jim? No, I missed that talk. <laughs> We're getting, we're getting, we're 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 like. Uh, I'd say it's a technical hitch. We'll say with how how the studio set up. I I I think you can both hear us individually, but when you can't, oh, can't yeah. you can't hear each other talking. But anyway, listen, we'll fix that for next time round. But basically, uh, Tom, you want to ask Brian? We'll say his thoughts on. We'll say players, uh, players in the league that would be el- eligible. You think to make the standard at at the national level. Yeah, basically, I, I, I've, I've kind of lost touch a little bit, uh, let's say, with the League of Ireland for different reasons. But the thing is, is there any, any players, Brian, that you would feel that, that um, how do you say, if you had two or three players that would step it up, um, let's say, either go cross channel or be, be kind of stars into the future? Um, I, I think the players that are doing well here at the moment can be stars here. And, and I think they may be should maybe we maybe should stop thinking of going across the water and um making it big over there because it's happening less and less. Like there's there's no Irish players at um at some of the very big clubs whereas in the past there there used to be. And I think if if we if we continue to grow the league here it might help to improve things at a grassroots level. Certainly if you had more League of Ireland players getting into the national team. And then uh, one thing the FAI and the league have done really well is the player pathway they've introduced from under 13s, 15, 17, 19s at all the League of Ireland clubs. And they're talking about expanding the pyramid here to, to maybe have a third tier. So if you could imagine having setups like a, a, a Kerry representative league team, a Clare representative league team, Go, with a chance to to go into a League of Ireland setup, um, it, it it could improve things at, at the grassroots, or it could help to do that. Um, I think the days of Irish players um, going abroad, whether it's um, uh, you know at fifteen as an apprentice at, at clubs in England, or um, maybe a bit later having played League of Ireland and then going ab- across to England. I think it's just not going to to be um, as successful a thing going forward. There's there's less and less opportunity over there to to make it big. Um, You know, if you you buy the Irish Times on a Monday during the the English season and there's a a page where it lists how all the Irish players in England did at the weekend, um, you know, there's, there's only a handful of players in the Premier League there's, there's a bit, a few more in the championship, but then if you look down at League One, League Two, National League, sort of the third, fourth, fifth here, there's a huge amount of players. And um, my club Rochdale had six Irish players last year, but at clubs like that, they're only earning a salary which is comparable to what they could earn at, um, you know, Shamrock Rovers or um, Derry City, uh, Cork City. So. 
what's the what's the sense in, in, in maybe going going across the water when you you could you could stay here and not have to leave home um, by all means, if you're if you're signed um, then by a club in England uh, at some stage, you know that that that's different. But uh, I just think we need to rethink that whole model. And um, I, 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 you know, I'd love to see players not feel that they have to go across the water. Feel that, you know, I can stay here and and play for Shamrock Rovers or play for Cork City. Um, earn a salary, um, be able to live off us, uh, be able to get into Europe, and um, be able to get uh, into the Ireland setup. Um, and I think that's what that's what we that's what we should have done with Stephen Kenny. I think if you want to to go down the route of still picking players that are playing in England, we shouldn't have had Stephen Kenny there. We, we should be now going for someone like Sean Dyche or someone like that who's used to getting the best out of a group of uh, players at, at, at uh, struggling clubs, championship standards, you know, um, someone like that who, who who can get them playing better than the sum of their parts. Um, I don't think Stephen Kenny is the right person to be managing in a national team players that play in England because Stephen never managed in England. Stephen managed very successfully in the League of Ireland. So if he had more players that have um, not had to leave the League of Ireland, uh, he might have had more success. I suppose, is the conundrum in relation to the whole Stephen Kennedy, or Stephen Kenny, I won't call it an experiment, you know, it's just he was, he was looking after the, the 20s or the 21s, and, you know, the whole issue about, we'll say, Mick McCarthy probably thought he was going to get a bit longer with the seniors before Kenny came back, but is it a case that um, he... I said not that he wouldn't have the respect of we'll say the senior players from England but as you've alluded to there Brian that if he had more of the players we'll say from the League of Ireland are players that you know that he would have dealt with that he could have given it a go the results would probably be the same as what they are currently but the thing I would say to you is the optics of it probably wouldn't have looked good for the FAI in that they'd be said oh well if we go like that we have to hope in qualifying for anything for you know three or four tournaments and we're having to hope of getting a major sponsor now in the interim yeah. A they haven't qualified for anything and they haven't got a sponsor so have they missed that train do you think? I think they have. I think when they appointed Stephen, we should have definitely moved to that kind of um, that kind of direction and that kind of policy. And the way it's panned out, he's he's stuck with English-based players. He's now taken us out of four tournaments effectively. Um, you know, we still have the sponsors, but. Uh, people are starting to lose patience with it. It's not good to watch. If, if we're going to stick with those type of players, you need to get Sean Dyche in there. You need to have him, you know, much better media performer, much better playing that side of us. Um, Stephen is very poor. He really has a deficit with, with that. But if he'd had Irish players, um, League of Ireland players, they'd look up to Stephen Kenny as, as a god. He's won uh, League of Ireland. He's won doubles, League and, and FAI Cups. Um, he's been very successful at Bohemians. Derry City, Dundalk, Longford Town. Um, to him, they'd, they'd play out of their skins for him. Um, whereas the English-based players, 
Stephen Kenny, who's he? Like, you know, they don't know who he is. Whereas if 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 they were coming over and Sean Dice was managing then or, or Chris Hilton, say, they'd be playing out of their skins for for someone like that. Right, uh, we're coming close to our show. I can't believe we're we're nearly up at the at the hour mark. Um, what do you call it, Jim? Are you still there with us? I am indeed, yeah. I'm. It's it's uh, as I said, we've tried this uh, experiment to to have everyone in the same room from a from a how do you say from a distant perspective on the phones and ourselves. We didn't realize that you couldn't hear one another, but we said we we as I said, this is this is new to us as well. Um, Jim, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're nearly we're we're nearly uh, completely there for the for the hour, and everything is kind of pre-recorded with us now compared to pre-COVID days when we were back in the in the saddle. Let's say in the studio for another another lock in god it's that long but jim um to conclude um are we positive about the irish team going forward or do you reckon there's a change down the road with stephen kenny and uh because brian has alluded to the former burnley manager as a possibility or maybe even a chris Hutton down the line and um yeah, is is there is there a vibe of, of of positivity going into the Scotland game, or have we nothing to lose at this stage? Well, that, that, <laughs> I I would be very nervous about the Scottish game because I think that Steve Clark, the manager of um, Scotland, has that a fairly young team now. Um, they put in a good performance. They're not brilliant, and they're not maybe much better than Ireland. But they would appear to me to be a little bit better than we are. Um, there's, I, I don't think I want to see Ray Houghton there, or Ray Houghton, or Chris Houghton, sorry. Uh, not for any reason. He's a quite a good, decent manager, but he is now committed to somebody out in Africa or something, Ghana or somewhere like that. I'm not sure that, that Sean Dyche filled the thing either. Sean Dyche was a, a manager of Burnley, he was a player, I think, there as well, maybe. Um, I think that there is a number of fairly serious Irish guys that are coaching in England. There's, uh, uh, what do you call him? There's uh, one of the Reeds, he's at Nottingham Forest. A lot of people rate him very highly. Yeah, uh, Stephen Reid. Stephen Reid. Yeah. Is it? It's not Stephen. Is it? What was his name? No, it is. No, it's it's uh, <laughs> Stephen Reid. Yeah, I is, remember. Is that Stephen? Of <clears throat> I'll go play my guitar. Uh, yeah, a song for Stephen, that fame. Uh, uh, I was there two Stephens. Um, now they they one they both of them. There's John O'Shea then at Reading. Now John would be a serious coach and would be highly uh, regarded in Ireland. These are the kind of guys I think I'd be looking at. First of all, they're young. They're uh, they're not that much different to the age profile of the players, maybe about 10, 15 years. But fellas like John O'Shea and uh, the Reed, Reed and that, there's two Reeds, you're dead right there. Uh, Jim Goodwin, who's at Aberdeen. Again, people who are young, who think about the game, and who would be familiar enough with the Irish players that are there. Now, we don't have any Irish there of, in the top level. Uh, they're always talking about Seamus Coleman. Seamus Coleman has higher mileage nearly than I have. So, and there isn't a lot left. He didn't have a great season at Everton. So we've got to start forgetting about Seamus from the point of view of the team. Um, I think that the big centre-back from Derry 
um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Duffy, 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 Duffy. I think Duffy is past his best as well. Now, he does seem to pose a threat in the opposition area, but is that because of his size and his height? And he, he isn't afraid to put himself about. But I, I do think that at, at, the, just at the back, we are tending to get caught for a lack of pace. And that's what's needed at the back nowadays as well. Um, so maybe we'd be better off to start to gambling a little bit on younger players. There's supposed to be some very decent under-20s there that are in that team for that have qualified for Europe. Uh, and let's get those guys in. And maybe let's get a coach that's like um, John O'Shea or the Reed as well at, at the fellow at Forest. Now, the fellow at Forest is hardly going to leave. They've just got into the Premier League. This is a chance for him to make his name. And, of course, we, we also have uh, Jim, uh, what do you call him, Jimmy Barry Murphy at Man City. He's their manager at under-23 level, and he's, he was brought in by Pep Guardiola. So don't tell me that Pep brings in uh, fellas that have up to the grade. Jimmy Barry Murphy. From Cork, Jimmy Barry Murphy. Uh, it's not Brent, Brian Barry Murphy. Brian Barry Murphy. Son. And um, b- before we go, um, what's his name? Boyle. Andy Boyle that has left Stephen Kenny. He was with Tuchel at Chelsea. He's He's gone from... from he's what gone you from it? there to Belgium. Yes. Uh, now, he was a serious coach as well. Now, yes. you have to ask yourself, why did he... Now, I, I suppose Belgium is a, a step up a big time, uh, but they're struggling a little bit at the minute, and Martinez would be there. Um, what was his name? I can't think of what his name was now, but he was a very good coach, and again, he's young. But we do have a plethora of good young coaches, and they're, up, they're very uh, not that long away from playing, and I think they would relate very well to the situation that Ireland needs. Now, I'm not sure if Stephen Kenny has enough experience of the real top level. Maybe he, maybe uh, theoretically he has it. But these guys, like the, the, the fellows we mentioned, are all doing it on the training pitch on a regular basis. Okay, I'm going to take that as a positive. Jim, uh, can I just say thanks a million for joining us um, after I, uh, nearly. I enjoyed this come. Well, listen, we'll, we'll, we're going to do this more regularly, uh, please God, over the summer. We'll try and get a show every month. Um, Brian, uh, listen, we're going to have to leave it there because we're all on pre records now and, and Luke is going to do the editing. Um, can I just say, listen, thanks a million for joining us. Any, any thoughts of, of, of coming down uh, what's called Clare side this summer? Oh yes, definitely. Um, it's it's been uh, it's been too long, and uh, COVID has been uh, cruel, and that it, it stopped me going down the last couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> so no. Very much looking forward to, to getting down. <laughs> Well, listen. What we're going to do, what we're going to do is, we'll, um, as I said, we'll we'll have a rendezvous for definite. And as I say, we're going to try and get one or two more shows up and running. Let's say during the summer months, possibly one every month, just to keep everyone up to date. Especially we've got a World Cup coming up now as well, and the new Premier season. We didn't get the chance about the pre- talk about the Premier at all. Uh, what's called during the show, but it's just absolutely, it's it's flown like all the shows do when we have yourself and Jim on. Can I just say thanks a million to both of you again for coming on this evening. Brian, uh, we'll talk very, very soon. Jim, thanks again. As I said, we'll 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 probably see each other at the AGM, the Clare League AGM. Is it the 17th of July? 
uh, it is now. I, I've disconnected Jim from the chat, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, partly because I, I tell you, it'll just tell you the professionalism of the two people involved in that we were literally 40 minutes through the show until we realised that they couldn't hear each other. So listen, uh, uh, I, so I've, I've spent the last few minutes apologising there to Jim. And Brian, I can only apologise to you as well. Um, we'll say it, it's an old style mixer here. We'll say it'll work fine if we have if we if we have one, but not with two. But we'll we'll probably solve it the next time around. In that we'll say if you're down, we'll have you in studio. Or if if we're yep. if we're doing this again, get both we, men in we, studio. We'll, we'll get Jim or we'll get the two of you in. And, Very good, and and we'll we'll work it in. Listen, there's plenty of stuff we haven't had had uh, t- time to, to talk about, but I I think um, what we could gather from both of you is that basically, um, I think from the upper echelons in the FAI, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, the team isn't performing on the pitch. You you think it's time for a change? I think Jim might be a little bit more forgiving in relation to that, but he he thinks yeah. that there's a lot of good coaches out there. And, um, young Irish coaches. Young Irish coaches. Would you have any thoughts on that before we finish? I think the uh, the standard of coaching has um, really improved in the League of Ireland, and there's a lot of Irish coaches that are working in other leagues uh, across Europe. And so, you know, if they could be brought into the Ireland setup, maybe um, that could that could be a way of improving things. Um, I, I I still think you need to have a, a kind of a talismanic figure there as the manager. Um, you, you know, uh, somebody inspirational, um, and and if it's not, if that ingredient is missing, then even with very good coaches, um, you're not going to be successful. Like um, Ragnick didn't work at Heavy United I, because the players didn't respect him, um, despite his coaching credentials and the the godfather of Gegen Press and all that. Um, so I I still think you need that the right man in the job as the the kind of leader um, and and he will attract good coaches to want to to work with him Um, so I'd be in favour of making a change in the Ireland setup. I think Could I I just say to you Brian Jim alluded to there and you mightn't have been able to hear it, well you obviously couldn't hear it but he basically was blaming uh, the the managerial setup of Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane for Declan Rice and um, Grealish, Grealish, basically leaving the Irish setup. Le- leaving the Irish setup. Would you have I, any thoughts I on know. that? I, I I think that I, I never liked or enjoyed the the kind of stuff that was directed against Grealish or Rice. I think they. You know, if you look at the England-Germany game the other night, there was a player um, on the German uh, team who had played underage for England. Like, these players aren't breaking any rules. They're they're just kind of, um, okay, they're fickle, but they're young and they're trying to do the best for themselves. I think if you look at Mark O'Neill and and Keane, that was, you know, that that, that wasn't... uh, I didn't think that was going to be successful. They they were maybe a bit more successful in that they they qualified for a tournament. But um, Roy Keane, I don't think is the right kind of character to to be in a coaching or managerial role. I think he's too old school for for the modern player. And Martin O'Neill was probably a bit past his best. Whereas if you got in a 
and I keep saying Sean Dyche because I'd love to see him get the job, but I don't think he will. I don't think the FAI can afford to get rid of Stephen Kenny. They'd have to pay him off his new contract. They'd have to pay that up. Um, and the days when we had Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane, their bill was two million per annum, and it was half funded by Dennis O'Brien or someone like that. Um, you know, you're not going to get Sean Dyche to work for less than than two million. He he was on five million a year at Burnley, um, so I'm sure he'd take a cut to take the Ireland job. But you're still going to be talking about a salary that's probably beyond the FAI. It's, sorry, Brian, but my jaws just after hitting the floor. You said Dyche was on five million a year at Burnley. He was on five million a year at Burnley, yeah, a hundred grand a week, and was probably in the lower echelons of uh, paid managers in the Premier League. Um, mo- the majority of managers in the Premier League would be on more, and it, it's staggering money. Um, and, and that's why when, when they did get Martin O'Neill, um, they had to come up with that kind of figure. That, Look, we're going to have to have two million for for uh, Martin O'Neill and, and Roy Key combined. Um, Martin O'Neill is probably getting two thirds of that money. Keane is probably getting one third. But it was so far beyond what the FEI could afford that they had to get uh, the businessman to pull up some of the money. And I don't think you're going to get that kind of thing again. So it's easier just to stick with Stephen Kenny and pay him whatever they're paying him, a few hundred grand a year or whatever it is. And they still have to, um, they still have to debacle with Robbie Keane getting a quarter of a million a year. Has that been resolved? Yeah. No, it, it hasn't been resolved and uh, it's, it's an absolute disgrace. And it's terrible when you see that kind of greed. Um, but that's that's modern football players can 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 do that and and they don't seem to have um any kind of moral uh, scruples about um you know pursuing that kind of money when when it's not really it's not been earned it's not deserved um it should be forfeited it's a, it's a, it's a mad situation considering that I mean the status that Robbie Keane would have had in the Irish setup as a as a player, and then not to find a role that people would be happy with says an awful lot for him as an individual, and also that uh, how do you say that they couldn't find something or that no, that Tom, he Tom, it's not about finding him a role. It's about finding him a position where they pay him two hundred and fifty thousand a year. But no, yeah. But the thing is that 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 he himself, with the legacy that he would have had with Ireland, that he that he couldn't get a job somewhere else, and then basically say, "Well, look, now I have a job here at, let's say, Luton Town, or I have it at Crystal Palace, or whatever, and that that's grand. I'm I'm I, I have a new job, and you know he relinquishes the 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 the, the two fifty, but the fact that he hasn't got or he hasn't been able to get. A job, and that it's a bit like uh, how do you say a, a really decent goalkeeper being the second choice at a big club and not playing in the first team. He's happy to take the wages and not. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to play with a, with a club that he's going to be number one at. I mean, you remember um, uh, what you call him that went to Chelsea as the number two, and he was the Middlesbrough number one goalkeeper for years and years the South it was the Australian the Australian goalkeeper and he Schwarzer. went to Schwarzer and he went to Chelsea as number two for about two or three seasons and he was on a serious amount of money but it's like as if he went ah yeah I've made my career now I'm just going to sit in the in the stands for well, Chelsea yeah well okay that's at a club level but <clears> I, I think 
I don't know, Brian, what your thoughts on it in relation to her. But now, per- personally, I have to admit, never was the biggest Robbie Keane fan. You couldn't deny what he did for the Republic. I would argue that if it weren't for the Republic and his profile with the national team, that he may not have got some of the deals that he wound up getting. But uh, I I think that the whole that whole uh, situation with the AFI leaves a, a sore taste in the mouth. That's just my personal thoughts. I don't know what you think. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think when, when we're struggling to score goals at the moment, and, and he's our, our best, our highest goal scorer ever, could they not have found some sort of role uh, to, you know, uh, strike or coach or, or something? They, could they not have done something to, to make him earn his money or to, to try to improve things? But um, I, I, I do I do agree to a certain extent in that um Whilst he was a great player, you know, maybe not uh, the, the best um, off the field in terms of of, of 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 kind of the morality of taking that kind of money and not um, relinquishing this, uh, I think it should be forfeited. Absolutely, no. We 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 both agree. We both agree in relation to that. Yeah, I I suppose it's 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 um it's going to be interesting the 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 weeks and months ahead with regards to the the money value and bits and pieces. I went to see one game. It was the Belgium Ireland game with the kids. Their first international game up at the Aviva and. It, this is what nearly two months ago, maybe at this stage, and I have to say the atmosphere was great. I think it was it, it, it wasn't like a normal friendly because it was against Belgium. Um, I, for the for the kids, it was a wonderful experience with the equalizers and the crowd going. But I, I thought the feel good factor uh, behind Kenny was quite high at that stage, and. This is the, I think they had one game after that. I don't know actually how it went. How did the game go after the, the Belgium game? Who was it they were playing after the Belgium game? It was a lesser nation, I know that. Yeah, they, they had some games at the end of the, the World Cup uh, qualification group that were sort of dead rubbers in that we, we were out of it, uh, but we still had these games. And he, he kind of used them to cement his position and that we, we put in some good performances um, the, the Belgium game but they were games that didn't mean anything whereas the the Nations League that we're in now this has been a, a, a huge success for UEFA um, the you know it's on telly every night uh, this week last week next week whatever it's um, they're getting big crowds there's a great atmosphere at the games and there's not so much pressure on on the coaches and the players because it's a, a lesser tournament. Sure. But, um, and and coaches are getting to put on second stream or, or fringe players, but they're they're giving their all, and the the fans are really enjoying us. Television is loving us, and um, the, the uh, Concacaf Federation America have, have seen the success of them, have now started their own Concacaf uh, Nations League. So and it's the same for all the players in all the teams in all the countries. They're all tired after the domestic season. They've all got the new season coming up. They've all got the World Cup um, later in the year. So Stephen was trying. Stephen Kenny was trying to say players are tired and that. But it's the same for everyone. And um, you should be able to raise your game for uh, playing for your country. And I think the fact that these games are Nations League are replacing friendlies. Um, it's kind of meant that there, there, there a bit more. There's a bit more prestige about these games, and we should be able to be, be matching that uh, level of of excitement and higher performance that we're seeing from other countries 
and their players are tired as well. But uh, overall, it's been a very huge success. But unfortunately, we're been left far behind. Stephen Kenny was talking about winning the group and getting promoted. We're now looking at being possibly relegated to, to the C uh, division of the Nations League, which will, will damage our our, our, our coefficient and our, and our ranking. So, um, you know, we're, we're really sort of off the mood of what the Nations League has been about and the success of it that we're seeing elsewhere. Unfortunately, we're, we're kind of, um, we're not able to, to swim with that tide. Last question before we say goodnight on the show, uh, and that is, are the players playing for him? Um, I don't think they are, uh, Tom. I think they're they're they're, they're not uh, to him to them. He's not um, he's not a big enough name. He's not um, he's not someone that they can have the respect for because he hasn't managed in England. And I think that's that's probably the main problem. I think they come over here and they they, they want to to play for Ireland and they want to do well, but. He's not someone who can galvanise them and get the best out of them, get them playing um, better than the sum of their parts in the same way as a, a Sam Allardyce or a Sean Dyche or um, uh, you know, someone like that could uh, and who knows the, the league that they come from, knows the English league. So Stephen doesn't have that. He's trying to get them to play nice, fancy football played out from the back through the middle, whereas, you know, they'd probably respect someone more, like a big Jack who's saying, listen, we're not good enough to play Belgium or to play Germany. We're going to play kick and rush football. We're going to play it ugly. We're going to press them. We're going to put them under pressure. And and that's what led Jack to be successful. Um, He knew he didn't have a, a, a team full of star players that say, England or Germany or Brazil or Argentina had, um, you know, he's some very good players, but he knew that he had to have a system that could make Ireland better than what they were. Whereas I think that's a problem with Stephen. He gets the players over and they don't, to, to them, he's not a big enough name. They maybe aren't buying into what he's trying to do. He's trying to tell them, listen, we're good enough to, to play um, fancy football and um, they're probably looking at each other going, look, we're not good enough for this. Um, he doesn't have the players to fit the philosophy that he has. Okay. Listen, Luke, uh, uh, Brian, uh, as I said, fascinating as ever. And uh, we're going to wrap it up. And look, a big thank you again. And uh, also to our other contributor, Jim Madden. Luke, do you want to say anything now to finish up? Yeah, as always, Brian, thanks a million for your insight. And hopefully we'll see you down uh, in East Clare before the summer is out. Um, just throw the crystal ball forward a little bit. Um uh, and we might have it as a preview for the next show, uh, World Cup. Any thoughts from four or five months out? I, I I think this World Cup is going to be really special. I think it's it's um, going to be um, when it was first mentioned that the World Cup is going to be in Qatar and talk about a winter World Cup, but there was skepticism. But I think it's going to be a really special World Cup. I think we'll we'll see beyond the Qatar and all that. Um, we'll we'll be starting the Premier League season early. We'll be finishing. I think the players are going to to really enjoy having it at that time of the year. Um, and I think the 
television audience is going to enjoy having a World Cup at that time of the year. It's going to be different, but I think it's going to be a big success. And I'm already feeling excited about it. I think it's it's going to be uh, the the fact that it's different and they've changed something is 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 positive. And I think it's going to work. I think they've they've done the right thing. Um, I think there's going to be a very high standard of football at us. Um, you're going to have so many big names there wanting to, to, you know, whether it's the likes of Ronaldo, all the, the great French players. That, you know, this is going to be, um, I think it's going to be something very special. And um, I'm expecting um, Argentina to win. There you go. There's a prediction from Brian Quigley. Brian, uh, so much has happened since the last time we had a show. Um, what do you call it? President Putin would have been at the last major soccer tournament. So much um, negativity, so much, um, I suppose, devastation in a part of the world that um, is so close to Europe. Um, what are your thoughts in relation to going forward? Um, are, do you reckon we're still going to be in the situation come the World Cup that we're going to have a, a war on our doorstep or will things be resolved or can you see any hope from a point of view of what the next few months will bring? I, I'm hoping that it'll be resolved. I think that um, it'll get to the stage where they'll have no choice but to come to some sort of a, a peace deal um, and you know it'll come with a, a huge sigh of relief from everybody but um, you know there's a if you listen to Macron, like he wants to, he wants to punish Russia, but does he? He wants to not embarrass or rub Putin's nose in it. But at the same time, he can't be let get away or, or think that it was right what he, what he did. So there has to be um, punishment there. I think the economic needs of uh, you know what's happening with with inflation and that they can't let that uh, situation keep uh, propagating. They have to try to. Um, reach some sort of a, a settlement or a way forward in terms of the war so that it can calm everything else down. Um, you know, I, I'm optimistic. We've just come through COVID where, where we, we were in a situation where we couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel for a long time, but we did achieve it. And I think we need to, to keep hold of that kind of train of thought or that kind of attitude where, look, we're we're in the eye of the storm at the moment, but um, we just have to trust the, the the politicians, the leaders, to to navigate a way out of us. It. it won't be an ideal solution. It'll be flawed. It'll be a fudge to some extent. But they need to come up with something just to try to to calm things down, to try to start to get uh, things back on track. Probably with, with Putin and all that. It's been building. You know, he's he's paranoid about NATO and has been for a long time, NATO in his backyard. Um, if if we come to some uh, sort of a settlement in Ukraine now, it's still going to be a, a kind of a, a scorched earth country for, for, for the interim while, while it's been rebuilt. So that is what he wants. Um, I think he's going to come out of it. And in a, in, you have to let him come out of it in a way that he can sell it to his people that he's been um, somewhat successful or that he's been somewhat justified in what he's doing. But at the same time, 
you have to be punishing them. So that's what I mean about a fudge solution or a flawed solution, but just something to 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 to, to stop what's going on at the moment. Um, and I can see that happening well in advance of the World Cup. I think by the time the World Cup comes around, we all just want to, to focus on the soccer and we don't want to have, you know, we want to have COVID behind us. We want to have the Ukraine situation behind us. And we want to just focus on the football. I, I think, Brian, if I could give uh, bring it back to a sporting analogy, analogy of Ireland in the 90s, uh, if Putin managed to escape with a nil-all or a one-all morale victory. I think that would be the best way for everybody. Uh, I, I I don't share your optimism, but I hope it does come come uh, come to be. But uh, time will tell. And sure, listen, uh, from when the next time we, we talk to you, hopefully uh, things might be resolved in a little bit. Tom's going to finish the show now. Brian, pleasure to talk to you, and we will hope Thank to see you. talk to you soon. See you, Brian. Take care. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. Bye, Tom. That's it from uh, Scarif Bay Community Radio here for, uh, as I said, a very special lock-in. Um, as half, I said, half an hour longer than it was supposed to be, but sure. Yeah, and um, that's to be expected. Yeah, we've we've locked Hank Ryder in the in the closet, uh, so he's uh, how do you say he'll be back next week, and uh, yeah. T- uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I try and be the optimist, and I hope Stephen Kenny gets a gets a result uh, against Scotland. I I doesn't I, matter. Doesn't I, matter. I, I doesn't. no, but I as I said, I I feel I feel that a, a lot of a lot of players have come through under his reign, and I think there's there's I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, throw away the keys just yet. I think there's there's a there's a possibility that. We might just get something, but so the, the players, the players, we don't have, yeah. we don't have. You're like Jim Carrey or Jim Carrey in Cable Guy, so there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next time, from all of us here at the Lock In, uh, take care and enjoy your weekend. What are my chances? Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance.